What's up, guys? It's your host, Ish, and welcome to the third segment of the Ish Condish podcast. Sadly, none of my realistic trade predictions became a reality. I mean, come on, Kobe Altman. You guys are 15th in the Eastern Conference, and you trade for Drummond, who's basically the same player as Tristan Thompson, except he's a better offensive player, and you don't free Kevin Love, who's getting paid $30 million, and he's publicly stated how he doesn't want to be a part of your organization. Classic Cavs making the wrong decisions. Anyways, in today's segment, I'm going to address the Western Conference teams that are going to contend for the playoffs. By the end of the episode, I'm going to reveal my Western Conference Finals matchup and what teams I think will be in the running for the Larry OB. In today's episode, I'm joined by my father, Vinky Chada, and my younger brother, Shannon Chada. Hey. What's up, guys? Hey, Ish. What's up? We're excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be on your podcast, finally. For the last three seasons, the Warriors have been the dominant force in the Western Conference, winning back-to-back championships, almost winning the third. However, with Durant gone and Clay and Steph being out, they haven't been so magnificent as they currently have the worst record in the league. Their magic has made its way to the Bucks, which currently have the best record in the league with only seven losses. Giannis has looked as unstoppable as ever, and their team chemistry is amazing. Ish, who do you think can challenge the Bucks? That's a great question, Shay. And the first thing I'd like to talk about is the Los Angeles Lakers. After not making the playoffs last season, Rob Palenka knew that changes had to be made to this roster. As a result, Palenka made an aggressive move by trading their young players for superstar forward Anthony Davis. The brow. This move has definitely paid off as the Lakers currently have the best record in the West and LeBron and AD have arguably been the best duo in the league as Braun is currently averaging a career high in assists and AD is their leading scorer. Also, Palenka has done a good job surrounding the Lakers with great role players such as Avery Bradley, who's a two-time all-defender, Danny Green, who's made the all-defensive team once, and Dwight Howard, who's been who's had a resurgence this year by averaging seven points and seven rebounds off the bench. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a great spot-up shooter. Kuzma has been very solid for them. Rondo has been a great floor general. And my favorite player, the bald eagle, Alex Caruso, yeah. has been a great spark off the bench. The Lakers have the highest point differential in the West, plus 7.1, and they've held opponents to only 107 points per game, which is third in the West and better than the Los Angeles Clippers. I think this team can go all the way due to the fact that nobody could stop the lethal combination of LeBron and AD. The Lakers cut down on their turnovers, which they're currently averaging 14.5, and the role players show up and do their jobs. They have a solid chance of making the finals, and the Lakers have two guys who can guard Giannis. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, both former defensive team players, and LeBron, when he wants to turn on defensively, he can guard Giannis as he's shown it in the All-Star game last weekend. You know, chemistry is obviously a huge part of winning and winning championships-ish. There's rumor today that Boogie Cousins may be ready to come back. Yeah, there's talks about him returning. Yeah, so, you know, what do you think of that? Do you think they should just let him sit out the rest of the season? Because the, se- the team seems to have excellent chemistry right now. Adding Boogie Cousins' talent makes some sense but could that diminish the team chemistry you know what i think the lakers aren't really worried about that situation right now obviously demarcus knows that if he comes back to the la lakers he might have a limited role due to the fact that dwight howard and javel mcgee have fit perfectly in that system and they've been great defenders in the paint as both are averaging around two blocks per game and demarcus cousins is a liability on defense in my opinion especially now with the acl injury and the ruptured Achilles, and the thigh injury in the playoffs. However, DeMarcus Cousins is the most talented center on that roster, and I think he has the chance to make an impact off the bench for this team. 
So post-trade deadline-ish, is there anybody that the Lakers can add that you think that could be potentially helpful for them to make a run at the Western Conference? Yes, I think one player that comes to mind is Dion Waiters. Obviously, Dion Waiters has had a lot of off-court and on-court issues with the Miami Heat being suspended multiple times. However, I think he's a really solid scorer and a guy who can create a shot off the bench. And he's a guy that can play some defense if he really wants to. So I think off the bench, they can add another scorer there and a guy who can create their own shot. I think that would be a solid pickup for the Lakers. And Palinka has been in talks with Deion Waiters. I think it's really going to come down to Waiters' mindset. If he's really locked in and wants to win a championship, I think the Lakers should pull the trigger and sign him for the rest of the season. Okay, anything else about the Lakers? You think they're the number one seed right now? I know they have the number one record, but do you think they're the number one team in the West? I do think they're not the number one team in the West. There's another team in LA that I'd like to talk about, and it's the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers shocked everyone last year by taking the Super Team Warriors to six games without a definitive all-star player. To top it all off, the Clips had one of the best off-seasons in NBA history by acquiring Kawhi Leonard, who's coming off his best season of his career, and Paul George, who finished third in MVP voting. Even with the loss of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the Clippers have been very solid this season. They're currently sitting at third in the West and are only three games back of first place. Kawhi's been doing, this, doing his thing this season by averaging 27 points per game and about two steals per game. But more importantly, he's averaging a career high in assists with 5.2 per game. The Clippers bench is also one of the best in the NBA with Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell leading the charge. However, the one problem this ball club has is consistency. Even though they've been very solid at home by going 22-5, and five, they've struggled on the road by posting a record of 15-11. and 11. The Clippers' struggles this season can be traced to Kawhi's load management. Leonard has only played 40 games out of 53, and he's only averaging about 32 minutes per game. Also, Paul George has only played in 31 games this season, and he's only averaging about 29 minutes per game, which is about 7 less than last season. Doc Rivers and Jerry West have a plan in place. This team doesn't have the goal of having the highest seed and best record in the Western Conference. Doc wants to keep his superstars fresh for the long playoff run. That is their goal. I believe the Clippers team has the chance to make the NBA Finals because of the dynamic duo of Kawhi and PG. Also, Lou Will and Harrell's contributions off the bench are super important. And with the addition of Marcus Morris at the trade deadline, he's the guy who could space the floor and he can guard multiple positions. I think this team is the biggest threat to the Lakers. This formula of load management seemed to work last year for Toronto. And I do think that Doc Rivers and Jerry West have a plan, but there seems to be a little bit of questioning by some of the other players on the Clippers about, you know, why, what is the plan? Has that been, do you think that that's been outlined to those players? I think that's just the media trying to break this ball club up together. I know Patrick Beverly is a very vocal leader and he is hard on his players. However, he has such a tight relationship with Lou Will. And those guys are really the, I mean, obviously Kawhi and PG are the leaders of this team, but these are the guys that have established that Clippers culture and everyone respects them in the locker room. All these guys have a really tight friendship on and off the court. And they know that when they're going to be on the court together, they got a bunch of dogs with them, including Marcus Morris, Montrose Harrell, Patrick Beverly. Those guys are super tough players and they'll do anything to win. I think that's what Kawhi and PG really appreciate about them. So I think it's just all love throughout the Clippers. Yeah, I agree with this year. I think the Clippers, um, they're, the, they're the biggest threat to the Lakers. And honestly, they could be better than them. 
currently in the season, right now, they're not playing at 100%. As, it, as Ish previously mentioned, Kawhi's only getting 32 minutes a game, and he's played like 80% of the games. Paul George played around 60% of the games, averaging only 29 minutes per game. As we saw Kawhi in the playoffs last season, he was playing super well, working really well with the Raptors team. And look at them, they brought a championship home. Paul George, he was dealing with nagging injuries, but I think this season his chemistry with the rest of the Clippers organization is great, and I think they're going to make a deep playoff run and pose a good threat to the Lakers. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is an experiment that's never been taken. There's multiple players on this team that are doing load management. Paul George and Kawhi, obviously, I think they're, they're going to have to play a number of games in the second half together to get a real feel of each other because in playoff intensity and when, the, when it's on the line, you have to have that chemistry to win. So I want to see, I think the key to their run is Paul George. Whether, he stays, whether yeah. he stays healthy. And I think they have to play more games together down the stretch um, to see what they're really like because playoffs are completely different. Yeah, seven-game series. It's just whichever team's deeper, it's not only stars in the playoffs. Yeah, I do like the Clippers' chances against the Lakers. I think they're a really deep team, and the load management's a great idea. They're trying to keep Paul George, who's been dealing with nagging injuries for the past year or so, they're trying to keep him in 100% uh, tip-top shape. And uh, Kawhi, he's sitting out taking care of his body, which is regardless of if it's like people want to watch it or not, it's, it's really good for the Clippers team. Yeah, Shay, I think load management, I'm not sure. It certainly worked out with Kawhi last year with Toronto, but with multiple players, I think it's still experimental. Well, this will be an interesting study to see, is this the right way to go? And other teams will use this as an outline in following years, but I don't know when you have multiple players doing load management whether it's going to be beneficial. I mean, I think, again, like towards the end of the season, the final stretch, of, I think they're going to start to play their players more get them back in working together. But I mean, like, look at players like Derrick Rose, totally overplayed, and he got injured. He kept getting injured. And I think Kawhi and Paul George, they, they see that, and they're like, I want to take care of my body and last. Yeah. Ish, what are your final thoughts on that? Um, I 100% agree with bo what both of you guys were saying. Um, <clears throat> you know, this Clippers team, I think it's really special just because Doc Rivers is an incredible coach, and he's had so much great experience going up against one of the best in Kobe Bryant and defeating him in the finals with that amazing, well-rounded Celtics team. Obviously, when the chips are on the line and when it's game seven of the Western Conference Finals, Paul George and Kawhi are going to show up. I mean, we've seen Kawhi in the past. He yeah, single-handedly... Yeah, against the yeah. Philadelphia Best 76ers, shot. he single-handedly defeated that Sixers team. Obviously, Siakam and Kyle Lowry had a role, but nobody really had an answer against him. I think when the chips are on the line and it, when it really matters, this Clippers team is surrounded, about, surrounded around a bunch of dogs who love to play defense, and they're surrounded around two superstars in Paul George and Kawhi. I mean, look so at, I think great things are going to happen for this Clippers team. I mean, look at Kawhi last, uh, last season in the playoffs. He was averaging 25 a game while guarding the uh, opposing team's best player. And Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> And, you know, this team, both these, both the L.A. teams are going to be very special. And I think it's really going to come down to them. But I would like to switch gears for a second and talk about this other team located in Denver, Colorado, and the Denver Nuggets. Last year, the Nuggets had one of their best seasons in franchise history by winning 54 games and finishing second in the West. 
However, they lost to the Blazers in the second round of the playoffs. Clearly, that tough Game 7 loss hasn't haunted them, as the Nuggets are currently sitting at second in the West, and they're only three games out of first place. The Nuggets center their offense around Nikola Jokic, who's averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists per game, as well as Jamal Murray, who's averaging 18 points per game. Denver actually has been the best defensive team in the West by holding opponents to 106 points per game and forcing around 14 turnovers per game. Murray and Jokic are also surrounded around by a lot of great role players such as Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and Monte Morris, who does a very solid job of running that second unit. Even though Denver has been great defensively, they struggled offensively by averaging only 110 points per game, which is 13th in the West. Denver has a lot of very solid role players, a great coach in Mike Malone, and an all-star caliber player in Jokic who does a good job of getting everyone involved in the offense. I think this team has the capability to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they could beat the Lakers or Clippers in a seven-game series, but I think they could definitely put up a tough fight due to the fact of their depth and their defensive versatility. What do you guys think? Well, uh, I honestly think that the Nuggets lack a lot of uh, perimeter players. They they don't have a lot of they don't have really any sharpshooters on their team, and they they play their offense pretty low because they got some big guys. Uh, I think they really could use another another guard, another perimeter player, but and of course their perimeter defense could get some work too. But I think down low they're they're one of the best teams. I don't buy into the Denver Nuggets. I just don't think that they have enough. There. And I obviously don't have the knowledge that you and Shaylin have and, and watch as many games. I just don't think they will be there when it, when it all comes down to it. They're a very good team. They're not a great team. That's my thoughts. Okay, so obviously we've talked about the three best teams in the West and the Lakers, Clippers, and Denver Nuggets. But are there any sleeper teams in the West that can make someone of a run in the playoffs? Uh, I want to talk about this one team, the Thunder. Uh, last season, everybody, oh, they th- everybody thought that they were done. But look at them. They're, I think, above 500 at, at the moment. Chris Paul is a great, great cornerstone, even though he doesn't have a lot of years left. He's a great player. He's got Gallinari. He's one of the smartest and, players. Yeah. And he's got uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who's having an excellent season. Uh, I think they're. I mean, I don't think they they'll last too long in the playoffs. But I think next year, the um, when their players continue to, to develop and Chris Paul regresses, I think Chris Paul will play that leader role and help his players flourish next year. I definitely agree with what Shea was saying. I think OKC has been the most surprising team this year because no uh, before the season started, NBA.com had the Thunder winning only 32 games and finishing 13th in the Western Conference. Sam Presti, along with the entire organization, has silenced the critics. And after at the All-Star break, they currently have 33 wins. They're sitting at six in the West. Clearly, it's a bad idea to doubt Chris Paul, who's having an All-Star level type season, averaging 17-5 and 6.7 assists per game. He has done a great job establishing team basketball as a Thunder. Currently, have five guys averaging double figures. Shea Gilgis has been great, like you said, Shea. And um, another guy who's been great for them is Danilo Gallinari, who's averaging 19 a game. However, I don't think this team is going to make it that far in the playoffs <clears throat> due to the fact that they don't have another great wing player besides Chris Paul and Shea Gogas Alexander. They don't really have like another forward who's super dynamic and can guard multiple positions. Gallinari is a great scorer, but he can't defend anyone. Yeah, he's not a good defender. Would love to see Houston play uh, yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Oklahoma in the playoffs. playoffs. That'd be interesting. That'd yeah, be interesting. that'd be a really fun series to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, the team that I think that has 
I'm sure Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City's having a great year. I don't see them going very far, of losing course. in the first round. But they've had an unbelievable yeah. year, and they have multiple draft choices in the future. They are going to be something to deal with in, in the near future. I want to see what you guys think of Luka and the Dallas Mavericks. That, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Luka is an amazing player, top 10 player in the NBA. But I just don't think he's surrounded with enough talent. Porzingis is having a, a, a shaky season, especially recovering 20 months out with his injury. I think that's pretty tough on him. I think he'll, he'll slowly become the star that he was in New York. But otherwise, they don't have a lot of weapons. I mean, Seth Curry's great on the perimeter, but they don't really have anything else. They don't have a excellent interior defense. They don't excel in any other category besides Luka and a little bit Porzingis. I agree with some of the things you've had to say, Shea, but I respectfully disagree with some of the things you have to say. I think the Mavericks have a solid interior defense with the addition of Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. They have solid wing defender in Dorian Finney-Smith. DeLon Wright has been great for them off the bench. Seth Curry has been a solid scorer for them off the bench. And Jalen Brunson has been a really great leader for them. And he reminds me a lot of a young Kyle Lowry taking those charges on defense and playing tough-nosed basketball. Obviously, Porzingis has been a little iffy this season, but he's starting to feel more comfortable in the offense. And hopefully Tim Hardaway Jr. can step up offensively and mm. take the offensive load off Luka's shoulders. I think this team is really dangerous due to the fact that Luka Doncic is arguably a top five player in the NBA. And if Porzingis steps up on defense and starts really being more aggressive offensively, I think this team can make a run for it. But I don't, I don't have them making it the NBA Finals. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just don't think they're at a point right now where they can do that. I think definitely next year or the year after, we'll see them higher up in the Western Conference. Another team I would like to talk about is the Utah Jazz. Even though Mike Conley has been disappointment this season by averaging only 13 points on 39% shooting, this Jazz team has been red hot this season. They're one of the toughest teams at home by posting a 20-5 and record, and they play great team basketball with six guys averaging double figures on this team. Rising star Donovan Mitchell, all-star this season as well, averaging 24 points per game, has become more of a vocal presence in the locker room, and it's really paid off. Utah is the second-best defensive team in the West by holding opponents to 107 points per game, and they're averaging five blocks per game as a team, thanks in part to two-time Defensive Player of the Year and first-time All-Star Rudy Gobert. Quinn Snyder is a coach that emphasized team ball and defensive toughness. Bohan Bogdanovich is having a career year, averaging about 20 points per game. And the Jazz have been 17-6 and since Jordan Clarkson's arrival. Great Even though Utah up. has the ability to make a far run in the playoffs, they lack a great wing defender to shut down guys like LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, and Harden. I think they're a team that's definitely slept on, but I don't think they have enough firepower to beat the Lakers or Clippers. But they're a very exciting ball club. They'll be a tough out, that's for sure. Yeah, They're going to be I, really I mean, a tough out. Spider Mitchell, he's a beast. Definitely within the next two years, he, he's going to be getting a max contract. He's he's like a legit star. They need another star, though, but they're yeah. going to be a very tough Rudy Gobert is very bad offensively. They need they need someone who's who has some offensive skill. Yeah, I agree with you guys. But however, he's averaging 16 points per game. I think they need another wing defender. Obviously, Royce O'Neal can play defense, but he's not a great spot-up shooter, and he can't create offense for himself. And another surprise team I would like to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. After the Grizzlies traded trade away Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, the grit and grind era in Memphis was over. Memphis basketball now revolved around second-year forward Jaron Jackson Jr. and flashy point guard John Morant. 
going into the season, Memphis had one of the youngest rosters in the league, and most of the players on the team had been in the NBA for only a couple of years. Most analysts had the Grizzlies winning only 28 games and finishing 15th in the Western Conference. At the All-Star break, Memphis has shut up the haters, and they currently have 28 wins, and they're sitting at 8th in the West. Morant has looked like the Rookie of the Year favorite so far this season, and he's averaging 17 points and 7 assists per game. Jaron Jackson Jr. has made a huge jump this season by averaging 17 points and 5 rebounds and almost 2 blocks per game. Dylan Brooks has been a nice, solid addition, and he's really stepped up, and he's averaging 15 points per game. Memphis is a very well-rounded team, but they don't have enough playoff and veteran experience. Um, I'm rooting for Memphis, but I think they're going to get bounced in the first round. I don't even know if they'll make it. They might not even make it, but I think they've really been an awesome team this year, and I'm definitely rooting for them. Obviously, we've talked about a lot of sleeper teams in the West that can make a run in the playoffs, but I'd like to switch gears and talk about the teams in the West that have had a disappointing season. What teams do you think are at the top of that list? Um, I wanna, I, I'd like to start. I Definitely the Rockets. I know that they have Harden, and... It's been tough acquiring a star, but honestly, I just don't see their offense flowing in the playoffs. With excellent defenders in the West like Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, and uh, like other players like that, I think it's going to be hard because the Rocks don't have another offensive weapon. What about Westbrook? I mean, you could tell, you could say Westbrook, but still, I just you can't don't, hit the three. That's the I just problem. don't see them. Their their offense is built around the three point shot. They shoot the most. I think they're shooting. I think 45 a game, but um, I just don't see them working in the playoffs. They have no interior defense. I mean, they're, they're starting 6-7 P.J. Tucker. I know a lot of people are saying that's a good thing. Rocco is a great addition, great perimeter defender, but I just honestly don't see them going far in the playoffs against the incredible star power in the West. Well, the Rockets are going with the, with the theory of playing their five best players. You know, traditionally you've had the center – um, the two fours and the guards. Um, but the Rockets have changed all that, saying, hey, we're just going to use our five best players and put them out there. And, you know, they've had some success with that. Let's see what happens with them. Westbrook, uh, it seems like, you know, that three-point, his lack of three-point shooting is going to hurt them. Um, but they do have Eric Gordon. What do you think, Ish? What's your thoughts? I agree with some of your statements, but I also disagree with other statements. I wouldn't consider the Rockets a disappointment. They have been on and off this season. However, Westbrook has really stepped up in the month of January and February. He's averaging in those both months around 30 points per game, around eight assists per game, seven rebounds per game, around like 45% shooting. And, he's, and his three-point attempts have also gone down significantly since then, and he's been playing at his best. Obviously, the Capella trade happened in order to maximize Russell Westbrook. Um, however, I am kind of disappointed with that trade. I know D'Antoni loves small ball. However, I think this team's really going to get screwed in the playoffs because they don't have a big interior defender that can guard a guy like Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis. Even Ivaka Zubac can give that, give that team trouble. Up. Obviously, D'Antoni and, and um, Daryl Morey ride and die by the three ball. And D'Antoni loves to run that. Um, fast pace. That fast pace offense with Russell Westbrook and just jacking up threes and layups. However, I think the Rockets are going to get screwed in the playoffs because they lack interior defense and they play the most isolation ball in the NBA. Around they're averaging around twenty twenty point seven percent of their um, offensive possession per offensive possessions per one hundred possessions are isolation plays, and I think that's really going to screw them over because Harden 
has shown in the past that when it counts, when the chips are on the line, he doesn't show up offensively. I think that's really going to screw the Houston Rockets because they're going to key in on Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if Eric Gordon has the ability to step up offensively and carry that rocket load. So I think they're going to get screwed in the playoffs. I wouldn't say they've had a disappointing season. I think they really screwed themselves at the trade deadline by trading away Capella and not getting a center in return. However, I think Robert Covington is an unbelievable defender and he fits really well in that system. Another team I would like to talk about that's been a disappointment this season is the Portland Trailblazers. After going 53-29 last season and making the Western Conference Finals without Yusef Nurkic, I thought the Blazers would come back hungrier than ever after getting swept by the Golden State Warriors after Damian Lillard played with injured ribs. Even though Portland has been hit with the injury bug this season by losing Rodney Hood, who ruptured his Achilles, and Zach Collins, who hurt his knee, I didn't expect them to be the ninth seed and four games out of the playoff picture. Lillard has been sensational this year by averaging 29.5 points per game and 8 assists per game. He's had 13 30-point games since January 1st, which no other player in the league has done so far. Lillard hasn't gotten this much help offensively besides Carmelo Anthony and CJ McCollum. And 10.7 of Portland's offensive possessions are isolation plays, which is second most in the league behind the Houston Rockets, of course. Portland's lack of ball movement has hurt this team and has took a lot of energy out of Lillard, who averages about 20 field goal attempts per game, which is the most in his career. Portland has also been horrible defensively this season by letting opponents score around 115 points per game. However, if Portland ends up making the playoffs as the eighth seed, I think they will be a more dangerous team than Memphis due to the fact that they have superstar power in Damian Lillard and they have playoff experience with CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, and Hassan Whiteside. Today, we've talked about a lot of great teams, but now it comes down to the real question. Which team in the Western Conference is going to be present in the NBA Finals. Right now, I think the Lakers are number one. The Clippers have potential. Kawhi and Paul George, they're, they're not playing their full capacity. But I just think, as of now, the Lakers are number one. Their role players, Danny Green, Bradley, Kuzma, KCP, the Bald Eagle, and Dwight, they're all great players, and I think they're all very important pieces. With the potential of DeMarcus Cousins coming back, I think that would be very helpful to their interior defense and to um their overall their their overall offense cousins can stretch the floor but overall I just think the Lakers are the best team right now they have two superstars even without their role players they could still make a run for the title as we've seen LeBron carry teams like his 2018 playoff run I just think that they'll take the Clippers to between 5 and 7 games but otherwise I think they're the number 1 team in the west Dad what do you think Clippers in seven over the Lakers. Lakers have two superstars. So do the Clippers. Clippers have a better supporting cast. If Kawhi and Paul George can get on the same page down the stretch, I think the Clippers have the upper hand in the Western Conference. This is a really tough decision for me. Both LA teams are incredibly stacked however the Clippers do have a deeper bench but the problem with the Clippers is they don't have a second guy like Anthony Davis therefore I have the Lakers making it to the NBA Finals and beating the Clippers in seven due to the fact that playoff LeBron is a different animal and we've seen him carry teams in the past such as the 2018 Cavs yeah. and nobody on the Clippers even though they have great perimeter defenders Nobody on the Clippers is able to guard and stop Anthony Davis. 
And for that reason, I have the Lakers making it to the finals where they, which they will face the Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to my third episode of the Ish Dish podcast. Thank you, Dad, and thank you, Shay, for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure talking about sports with you guys. Have a great rest of your week, and um, peace. See ya!